Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DML57. I've got all my line mates with me this evening, and you'll never guess what we're about to talk about. Uh, but first, if you want to support this podcast so we can keep our webs or this podcast, this entire operation, so we can keep updating you whenever the Blackhawks do some really weird shit either on or off the ice, uh, the best way you can do that is wherever it is you are listening to this podcast. You can leave us a review, a five-star review is best, and if you leave us four stars or fewer, we'll assume you're a Blues fan. SecondCityHockey.com is the website where you can find all of our news, all our game previews, all our recaps, and everything in between. We've started with prospect updates. We're going to have some more deeper analytical dives now that we've got a good sample of games to look at. Uh, so feel free to check out the website for that. And to get into the Connor Bedard tiers or the Corey Crawford tiers, that gives you the extra content that we're going to be delivering all season long. It's five bucks a month for the Crawford tier, 10 bucks a month for the Bedard tier, which helps us out a ton. And also it is the holiday season. And if you want to give your friends and family members, some great Second City Hockey merch. You can check that out at the website as well. All of that supports this operation so we can keep going, so we can keep talking about whatever it is is going to happen next with this team. Hopefully it's more on the ice than off the ice stuff, but that's enough of a preamble for me. Let's bring in everybody else. Up first, she is not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey bull and wall of text. It's Betsy. Mill usually go before me. I think I think so. I think I might have messed up the order. That's okay. I can lead. Yeah, um, go, right, go right ahead. My thing. I was complaining about this pre-air, but uh, homeownership not ideal. And then trying to sell your place even worse. So I don't recommend it. Don't try to sell your homes. People suck. Don't do it. Ta-da. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I know. <laughs> like I want the money. I don't just like dealing with people. That's like my new philosophy in life, though. I want just the money, show me but the not money. the people. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to the uh, the original order next week then. But also with this this evening, he is on Twitter at Mill182, and he is to Second City Hockey what Randy Stein is the straight no chaser. It's Mill Savage. I think today I'm the Cristobal Huey. <laughs> That's something like that. I don't mind. Yeah. Well, everyone's, uh, I was trying to make some sort of like weak glove hand joke here and it's not going to work for me. So sorry. Uh, that's okay. I mean, he tried his best. He, he Hey, he got his ring. He, he was like, uh, the highest, I think he was the highest paid player on the team at one point, him and him or Brian Campbell, right? Uh, well, Campbell would have been more. Huey might've been the most in the like Oh seven, Oh eight season possibly. I could look this up if I cared, but uh, he started I, in that Winter Classic game. Yeah, it should have been uh, Javi Bolin and Ty Con- or uh, and Osgood. It was Ty Conklin and Cristobal Huey. What uh, the hell? What what a time to be alive! All right, that was me remembering some guys for the yeah. week. Well, hey, it wouldn't be a podcast episode with you on it if we didn't remember some guys at least one time. I don't want to remember who's on the fucking team now. So <laughs> besides, like three guys. Yeah, well, don't worry. You won't have to because most of them won't be here next year. Maybe next or, week or at the rate this season's yeah. going. Yeah, not at all. Uh, also with us this evening, it is the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent on Twitter at Eric G E G. It's Eric Gagenheimer. Uh, building off what Betsy said, just being an adult in general, I'm over it. It all it all stinks. It can all go away. I'm ready to to not have responsibilities again. Well, um, I, I, I have bad news for you, Eric. <laughs> I, I know. I don't think I it's know. going anywhere. 
No, um, it's not. So, uh, I should say that as we're getting started here, we are recording this during the what is currently the second period of the Blackhawks game against the Kraken here on Tuesday night, and the Hawks are up three to two because Tyler Johnson just scored. So, if you hear any random outbursts during the game, it's because something interesting happened during said game. Uh, but most of what we're going to be discussing this evening involves uh, everything that did not happen on the ice with the Blackhawks today. And there sure has been a lot of it. Um, the biggest news of the day, obviously, if you're listening to this, was Corey Perry was placed on unconditional, wa- uh, excuse me, unconditional waivers with the intention that once he clears waivers, the Blackhawks are going to terminate his contract due to something that happened uh, while the team was in Columbus just before Thanksgiving. Um there was a press conference today with GM Cal Davidson and where he was uh, visibly emotional about uh, as he was discussing and answering questions from the media, the details did not uh, really didn't get into any details. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So just kept referring to it as a workplace matter. And um, outside of that, like there's still a lot of question marks about what exactly it is that happened. And we may never get all those answers, but what we do know is that Corey Perry did something that the Blackhawks deemed inappropriate. And as a result, uh, he's on waivers. I don't imagine anybody's going to claim him. And as of Wednesday morning, he will be an unrestricted free agent. He will no longer be a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. And um, I don't really have anything to start with uh, outside of that quick summary before I'm just going to hand this off to Betsy and see what your initial thoughts, uh, initial thoughts are on all of this that has transpired in the last week and go from there. I mean, first of all, the Corey Perry thing sucks. Not because anybody care. Like, Blackhawks fans don't care about Corey Perry. I don't even know if that many hockey fans outside of maybe Anaheim and some, like, stragglers from Tampa um, really care about Corey Perry as a player. Um, but it hurts as an organization because the Blackhawks have a shady past, and even if none of that regime is still here, it's still shady. Um so that completely sucks. I do. I will say, like, the wor- the the part about it that sucks the most as a fan is the sheer, like, first of all, the terrible rumor, like, yeah, and that's like, everybody. I don't for even everybody. know. I don't even know if we can use. I I wanted to use the word rumor because it's it's not a like a rumor. I feel like is usually there's some elements or basis in truth. I think that was just a, a Twitter account getting some rocks off a joke that. Oh yeah. Became a thing. Yes, exactly. So, like, whatever you want to call it, like, made-up nonsense, you know? There you go. Um, That's horrible, too. But, like, I the the part about it that is irksome is that because of the shady history that the Blackhawks have, there is no benefit of the doubt to the organization on the handling of this, which, by the book of, like, a normal, like, employer, like, massive employer and the way that they go through HR and stuff like that, they did it pretty much by the book. They were told an incident. He was pulled almost immediately because he literally was, like, signing stuff for kids that morning and then he didn't play <laughs> that night. Yeah, it was. Um, um, I think the signing thing was on Tuesday and the game Wednesday in Columbus was when he was a healthy scratch okay. and it was first became known. And there were no Hawks reporters there on the road that night. Cause it was the night before Thanksgiving. Um, and then Thursday was when everything really started to pick up because uh, Richardson met with the media and said, we have no update. So sorry yes. to go on. You know, you're, you're right. But like literally they, they pulled him, they did an internal investigation and considering it was over a holiday break, that's, you know, in six days it was fast. Um, and I don't I don't know if a lot of people understand that you're not allowed like even scumbags are allowed <laughs> privacy, you know, like uh, and NHL teams are notorious for not telling anybody anything. I used the example like um, when Montgomery was fired from the yes, Dallas Stars. That's what I was thinking about, too. They the Dallas Stars literally said nothing about it. They I had the phrases pulled up. Um, I put them in that article but like the wording is almost like some of it's pretty much damn near the same you know it's like we're not going to give any specifications out of respect for everyone involved just saying that it did not have you involve you know in that case abuse of players or criminal conduct in the case of you know these other rumors it didn't involve players or their family it was a behavioral issue material act of unprofessionalism that kind of stuff you know 
freaking HR terms just in an NHL <laughs> right. font. Right. Um, and that's just, that's how they're going to do it. They have to this day never said anything. And then obviously Montgomery went into rehab. And then after he did that, journalists were like, yeah, it turns out that they don't know what triggered the firing, but the stars were aware of his alcohol problems and so and so. The Blackhawks are never going to disclose that themselves. Whatever happened with Perry, it might come out through, you know, journalistic digging or something like that. But the Blackhawks are technically playing it by the books. But yeah, people are all they're going to side eye it the whole time because of lack of transparency. But I mean, that's they're doing what they have to do. Yeah, I I don't. Um, well, I'll get this more in a second because I I'm not. I'm not convinced that the Hawks organization mishandled this necessarily, uh, but I'll get into that in a second. Uh, I want to bring Eric in first and get Eric, your thoughts on this whole thing. The only thing I would say, as far as if we want to talk about how they mishandled it at all is maybe it felt like they could have been a little bit more forthcoming uh, initially, just as far as there was some type of incident that they were investigating. So that uh, that's the one area to me that feels like it's kind of a gray area where I don't know why you don't say anything, especially kind of Richardson. There was some weird veiled language, like he might not be joining the team for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Or And nobody knows what that means or what that is. And I think part of what happened was all the speculation. It just kind of went out and was bouncing around, and it became all these different weird rumors that were kind of in the ether, and then the, the one that everybody knows, the big one. But... It's it's just it's it's very strange. It's very bizarre. We don't know what happened. We're not going to know unless he decides to talk about it or something comes up a couple of years down the road. And I'm talking about by he Corey Perry himself. But it's it's just very strange. Yeah, our fan base, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks fan base in general, nobody was like especially loved him or but he was brought in to be a leader he was a guy who was respected he was given he was an assistant captain yeah. you know this was yeah. a guy who they brought in to expect to kind of mold you know the the next generation of players that was coming up and he's somebody you know we were talking about it right before we started recording like john cooper uh, you talking about him a couple of weeks ago in tampa like he was talking about him like he was his child you know <laughs> he was somebody that like on the teams that he's been on the guys really care about him and he's been looked to as a leader and you know he's had a long career but it seemed like there was still gas left in his tank and you know richardson made the joke about him having to be basically dragged out of the league to be forced to retire a couple weeks ago and now his career in theory i'm assuming it's over um, yeah. You know, I guess never say never, but this is the NHL. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, in, unless there's some major clarification as far as what happened, I can't imagine that there's another team that's going to go out and sign him, yeah. you know, just, just for the distraction that it would be. But so I just very strange, but that my, my big thing would be why they felt like they couldn't say there was an incident. It's been reported. We're investigating it. And that's it. Because ultimately, even if you investigate it and nothing becomes of it, I don't think you need to clarify anything more than that. But the fact that they didn't say anything from jump, I think that's that's where a lot of the frustration came from. And, you know, yeah. like you have said, like Betsy said, too, this is an organization that has to be keenly aware of those types of things mm -hmm. forever because of, you yeah. know, everything that happened, you know, in 2010. So. Yeah, I don't – go ahead, Eric. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, it was it was weird to see Davidson today. We haven't seen that guy before. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we don't have to again. But, you know, it's – it almost felt like he felt like he had to stand there and take the questions even though he knew he couldn't answer them. And that was kind of weighing on him a little bit too, which I think part of that is everything that happened yesterday and how much that – you know, rumor, joke, however you want to classify it, how much that kind of got around. And I think that was part of this too, is they felt like they needed to get in front of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I, I think the point you made about they're not like, w there was no acknowledgement of anything that had, of, of what was going on with Corey Perry at all. 
like today was the first day I think that they acknowledged that there was any sort of internal any sort of investigation going on by the team. If I, if I if I have that correct, like I don't remember that word being used at any point in the last handful of days. Like I remember that the statements that came out. It was interesting when the statements came out um, earlier. I think it was over the weekend when the Hawks statement said that he was that Corey Perry was being sent away. And the statement that came out from Corey Perry's agent said Corey Perry is stepping away himself. So it was like a it's like a semantical thing. But when there's when there's precious little information out there, it seemed like that difference of language in those two statements might have meant something like. But um, I like I, uh, other than that, like very small thing about not maybe mentioning earlier that there was some sort of incident that was being looked into, like. I don't know how much else the Hawks like on when they found out about the thing on Wednesday, they pulled him. They immediately sent him away from the team. And then I I think most of us were blindsided when the news came out this morning that he's put on waivers and not going to be with the team anymore. Like I, I don't think anybody knew what was going on and the fact that it immediately went to effectively being fired from his job for whatever he did. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, but before I go any further, I should bring Mill in and get your thoughts on all of this. Uh, yeah, I just have a couple of things uh, for, you know, not trying to sound like an old man here, but uh, I think because of just the social media and then the age we live in with news, it's really hard because people know everything about athletes and celebrities now, even if they don't want to. Um, yeah. Like, you know, and I'm not talking about like, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, who's also a celebrity, but like we know who a lot of significant others are of athletes who are not outright famous, but have become public figures because of that. We know what a lot of them have done good or bad. It's always kind of shoved in your face. Mm -hmm. So when you don't get to know, it's kind of annoying because we're so used to that. I think that goes for everybody almost. Yeah. Um, You know, but because I and, and this is something you know Betsy and, and Eric both brought up because of the Blackhawks past and everything that's gone on and how there's so much recency to that especially they can't make up anything that's vaguely even just remotely can be called a lie they can't even say anything general because if they gets found out that they lied that's more on them so they have yeah. to just say nothing that's yeah. the issue here yeah that that is that is like the ultimate play it safe thing like like PR cover your ass thing like Betsy was referring to is um, release a statement that says nothing that has words, but has zero substance behind it completely. The, the, the only update is that there is no update. And that feels like that's what the Hawks were doing for three or four days before everything that came out on, uh, on Tuesday. Um, but right. I just like the, the one, the, the part about this, this whole thing that is weird to me, and this is, I'm, I'm going to swing this back over to Betsy. Cause I think you have ex- more experience in this world than, than we do is just the idea that, that like, I, I feel like there people are going to have to be uh, learn to accept the fact that you may not ever get all the details of this, and it's not it's not necessarily like the Hawks are covering their own asses. Like there might be a, I don't want to go too far down the road of speculation here, but if something happened that involved somebody who was not Corey Perry, you're also protecting that person as well, right? Yeah. So we just don't we don't know enough about this, but if there were other parties involved beyond, of course, Davidson saying not another player or their family, right. Those people also have a right to privacy. So while it may seem like the Blackhawks are one protecting themselves, but also protecting Corey Perry in a way, it's not just about that. It could be about these other parties too. So people need to like, like chill a little bit. Yeah. Um, That was the part of this whole day that like, that it felt like there was this demand for Kyle Davidson to go up there and just spill the tea on everything. And like, that's not necessarily something he can do or should do. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's hard to, for people to grasp the concept of this is like a fan driven sport, you know, fans want to know everything. And normally news is fine out of these types of organizations, but at the core, the Blackhawks are, are an employer. They are a, you know, business. And they are subject to the same HR rules that anybody who works in a corporate mm-hmm. world knows about. Or even non-corporate. But, like, in general, they're more corporate than others. Um, so they're not – they are – obviously, they're going to want to protect themselves, too, and be vague. But they're also going to 
they have to protect the privacy of those involved, not just the person who is being accused of something, but also anybody who might be like this in this in this whole scenario too. Yeah. Um and I just like it's been I feel like there's a lot of this that is still swimming around in my head just because it's been quite the twist and turns type of day. Um, but I, I guess, Eric, I, I wanted to talk to you about like the, the handling of everything, too, because um, like we, we started to talk about it a little bit. But just like. Like, I don't I don't think I'm necessarily like disappointed or or anything like in how the Cal Davidson, and the rest of the front office handled all of this, like. I, I don't want to say it was like totally textbook and it's like, it's not something you give them a pat on the back for. It's like, like, this is like, it's kind of a, this is your job type of thing. You just got to do the job, but considering where the Blackhawks have been in the past, it's, it's sure. But it's the alternative of them completely fucking it up. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, this, I I've been trying to think the whole time this thing was going on. I can't remember another situation with a professional athlete in any sport. That's anything like this. You know, there's all kinds of weird holdouts and contracts and legal issues and things, but that usually yeah. comes to light pretty certain. So, and that's, you know, and Betsy brought that up before Montgomery is kind of the only recent comp, especially in hockey that you could look to at all. Um, so there's no blueprint for like how you're supposed to handle something like this. So, and there's already been some stuff said, you know, especially by some of the local, local writers in that, you know, this was a pretty rapid response to go to the point where, you know, someone brought up something, some type of issue. Um, and within six days, the team did their own investigation. They immediately pulled him from the lineup and he's, he's out of the, you know, he's no longer within the organization. And they, you know, someone asked specifically at the press conference too, they asked Davidson if, some of the things that were implemented after or as a result of everything that happened with Kyle beach, if that led to the way they handled this and he didn't come straight out and say, yes, a hundred percent, but he said, you know, I think so. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a testament to that. They, they're very conscious. They're very aware of these things. They know what they're dealing with right now, as far as, you know, the reputation and the things that happened. And that's informing the the way that they protect their players and they protect the, their employees and their organization going forward. So, I mean, ultimately as weird as it sounds like that's kind of a good thing in a way. Um, but it, it's, it's hard. There's not going to be a resolution just because we don't know. So I think, there's going to be, you can't, it's not black. It was, it would never be black and white anyways, but you can't look to it and say, you know, okay, this is what happened and this is the correct action they should have taken in dealing with that because there's no correlation and because there's no, we don't know exactly what the issue was and we're never going to know. Yeah. And I think some of the other things that happened like under in Davidson's tenure, like, the only thing that comes to mind was like the, the Rocky words thing at the town hall, which, and he didn't really have a part in that. So I feel like this was his first time dealing with something like that. And um, I don't, like, I, I hope there are, you know, it sounds like the, the protocols and whatever that they put in place since the, uh, everything that happened with Kyle beach, that they, they implemented them here. And it seems like they, as well as they could got to some sort of internal resolution, at least like, Maybe externally it doesn't feel resolved, but um, I don't know if we'll ever get to that. But I don't know. I, 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 you know, you hope that this none of this shit ever happens anymore. There's no more of this off ice distractions. But um, it does seem like it does seem like at least some sort of lesson was learned by even if Kyle Davidson was the only one that learned it, not all the other people who got fired. At least somebody learned something. So um, I hope there's more. Uh, I hope there's just you know, no reasons to use this in the future, but it's, it's just, it, it's like, it's a, it's a very small sample size. We can't really use it to a correlation and not causation here, but it's at least a good start. It's just, it's, you know, and it's easier to do with a guy who's like a veteran in his late thirties. who was only going to be here for one year. It's not like it was all the Patrick Kane incidents they had to deal with for the last uh, 10 to 15 years when he was here. So, um, but hopefully that's the end of it. Um, I, I don't have any other thoughts and I went around the room twice almost. So Mill, I wanted to ask if you had any other final thoughts before we step away from all of this, hopefully for the rest of time. 
Uh, just a quick one. I do believe that they did clarify that the big thing was that he violated, you know, his contracts and their conduct for being an employee, which it, while that's vague, it pretty much just says that he did something he wasn't supposed to be. It may not be something with other people. It may not be even something that people will see as major, but mm-hmm. for the actor, for the, like you said, like you have to protect other people who could be involved but if it's just something on him, they could just be, hey, we're not going to get into it. And it could come out and then all of us could say, wow, we didn't really need to know that. So, yeah, I wouldn't spend too much energy on it going forward. Yeah, I, like I feel like there has been um, like it's been a very big thing today on Tuesday as we're talking here. I feel like uh, unless there was some more concrete uh, revealing of what exactly happened uh, I think this is I feels like by the end of the week, we'll probably have forgotten this and moved on to whatever the hell else is going yeah. on. And, and as, as I'm talking, there's a damn near a line brawl in the uh, middle of the Hawks Kraken game. I I do want to throw it. I hope it is nothing with anybody else. I'm not downplaying that by any means, but yeah. because we don't know, we can't it, speculation's bad. We don't want to bring any rumors or, around or anything like that. Yeah. Do we have any other thoughts? Did anybody, anybody else have anything else they want to get off their chest related to all of this? Because uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm I'm so sick of talking about Blackhawks off ice shit. So I'm, I hope there's no more of this for the rest of the season. <laughs> really? Hey, same. I think yeah, we all were excited to kind of you know bring in everything new and, and turn the page, and you know hopefully we get to do a lot more of that in the not yeah. too distant future here. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that's the, the end of those thoughts. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out and we've got some other news and things to get into on the other side of this break, including a name. I think I mentioned just a few minutes ago. Uh, so we'll come on back on the other side of this break for all of that. Welcome back to musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, there was there was a lot of odd news that happened on Tuesday and not just all of the Corey Perry stuff. Um, you may or may, I think this happened around seven 30 this morning. Central time was when the news broke that Patrick Kane is signing with the Detroit Red Wings sometime in the evening. It was made official. I think it's a one-year deal uh, for 2.75 million pro rated, whatever that's going to be. Uh, he gets to go play with Alex to in Detroit. Um, my initial thought to this was, I was I'm I was surprised at how little I care about this because it just um I just I like can't like the the era's over uh Bedard's here Korchinski's here Reichel's here like I'm not really worried about Patrick Kane anymore uh Mill I'll, I'll start with you did you have any uh, strong reactions to when this news came out <laughs> I I laughed um <laughs> okay because. If I'm Patrick Kane, who potentially, if he's healthy, can still be a very, you know, solid contributor um, on the ice as well as kind of in the locker room as far as, you know, experience goes with winning, um, you would think he'd want to try to go somewhere to either win or just get paid out the ass, right? Like at this point in his career. Um, Detroit sucks. And I'm not just saying that to echo the chant. Like they're just not (laughs) that good. And I don't know. I just, I think it's what, I just don't think there's that much interest. Yeah. Well, like he, he apparently did meet with multiple teams and there were multi-year offers on the table, according to some of the reports that were out there today. And he ultimately settled with the one, uh, a one-year deal in Detroit because he liked what uh, their coach's name escapes me, but apparently he liked the X's and O's that that coach mm. gave to him. So, but I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't, Detroit needs a lot more than Patrick Kane. I mean, maybe if this was like 2016 Patrick Kane, this would be a big, bigger deal for Detroit. But I don't know how much he can help that team right now. Like a yeah. little bit, but I don't I, I, enough to like make them like a cup contender. Not even close. Yeah, I'm not going to drag this out because I could get into the business theories that I have. Um, it's kind of the NBA thing. Take a one year <laughs> deal, maybe pad your stats, get in, you know, whatever. But yeah. As far as a fan perspective, because that's really what I can you know talk about, uh, Ann is one of those guys who you know was controversial in his own right. I know we all have great memories of of winning Stanley Cups and things he did on the ice. I don't have that certain attachment to him that I do to like a Corey Crawford or a Jonathan Taves or a Dave Boland, if that makes sense personally. Yeah. Um, respect what he can do and what he's done on the ice, but that's, you know, it's over and it's felt like it's been over for a lot longer than it actually has. 
Uh, Eric, what about you? Or what were your what was your reaction to this news? I mean, I I thought it was a bad move. It's a bad move <laughs> for him. Kind of echoing what Mill said, I thought he was going to go to. I really thought he'd go to Florida. I thought that would have been the best fit for him, especially if in this point in his career, you know, what's there really to play for other than chasing whatever Madonna record he wants to chase as the you know the USA player, but really like being in the championship run, like competing, going deep in the playoffs and the ring, the, they're no guarantee. Like they've looked better. They're in a playoff spot right now. Um, you know, they have, they've had a good stretch. They've beaten a couple contending teams lately, but it just kind of felt like, you know, last year they let him pick his spot and he wanted to go back with Panarin. And it just feels like him picking a spot because he wants to go play with Dabrinkit again. And we saw how that worked. You know, <laughs> is that is he just on a multi uh, the maximum reunion tour? He's just going to go find all his old linemates. He's going to he's going to go. Is play there with anyone Nick else Schmaltz. left? <laughs> yeah. He's going to go play with Nick Smaltz <laughs> or Dylan. He's going to go to Washington and play with Dylan Strom and Alex Ovechkin next year. But no, I, I'm kind of with Mill. I was never. A big Taves is my guy. Um, you know, I think especially some of the behavioral stuff, like it, you put up with it when you have to. But I think we're all kind of ready to turn the page and move on. So it's kind of surprising how little like it feels like it matters. And, you know, I guess if, if he has anything left, it should be pretty evident pretty quick. That's a good landing spot for him, especially if he plays with Brinkett and Larkin, and it sounds like he's going to get a look, you know, on their top power play too. So, and there's some decent players. There's some decent young guys on the Red Wings. So, um, the the most interesting thing I think is that when he comes back, it will be on Chelios's retirement yes night. That will be when the Red Wings come to the United it's Center on, for the first time. Yeah, it's on Sunday, February 25th. Yeah, and so, and I, I feel like the people who try to draw the line from Kane to Chelios, like, that doesn't work. Like, they won three cups while Kane was here. And I think so much of the re, the ire for Chelios was partially rooted in the fact that that era of the Hawks didn't result in a championship. And with uh, the way everyone hated Bill Wirtz, it felt like it was – like they weren't even mad at Chelios. They were mad at the fact that Chelios wanted to leave town and go to Detroit because the ownership in Chicago was so shitty at the time. But Correct. Well, <laughs> and it got worse every time he won a fucking Stanley Cup with them. Yeah. So that yeah. that just made it worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. Betsy, what about you? Do you have any thoughts about this news? I'm kind of over talking about Patrick Kane. Um <laughs> I actually really All right, like, well that's the end of this segment then. Thank you very much. <laughs> I uh like my Hota was my guy. I loved Hota, but I also like knew the Thrashers. Um and then everybody loved Boland and then Seabrook was my dude on defense and I loved watching Kane. I really enjoyed him being on the Blackhawks. Um he brought a lot of magical moments and stuff like that, but I'm one of those people that's kind of like I'll occasionally check in on players that have moved on, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm like, once they're gone, they're gone. They're not. <laughs> well, that's know? not really true with the Blackhawks. They usually end up <laughs> that's, back there. That's, yeah, oh, that's, that's not Bowman's, this. Yeah. Bowman's gone. Yeah, Bowman's that's not one, this organization. Like a boomerang. Or this regime, I should say. Um. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I just, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't need to be that much of a news story anymore. There's already been another team in between us and the yeah. Rings. Yeah. Um, like we can't get another pick out of it. There's no benefit to the Blackhawks. Um, I hope he continues to break American record. I hope he does well because um, just for the sake of like old guys that get to go and like end on a good, he's not old. He's <laughs> Like 35, but you know, hockey old. Um, so they can end on a good note at least. Um, but like a lot of guys that have that surgery apparently do not like there's only been like a handful and they all like, yeah, old, like played like another 40 something games tops. Yeah. The most recent example is Nicholas Backstrom who came back for the second half of last season with Washington and was okay. And then he played like eight or nine games this year. And then on November 1st, he took a leave of absence and now there's, uh, he may never play hockey again. I think is the speculation out there. He's, I believe he's not the, they all, they have said so far is he's probably not coming back this season and his career is up in the air, but that's like, that's, that's the same thing that Kane just had to. 
So yeah, and, and Carl Haglin, and he never came yeah. back either. Well, it, but he like he came back. I think he his issue was an eye thing, but he yeah. So not not good precedent, I guess. But um, we'll see. I I, I don't. Uh, well, I, I think it, it was interesting that he signed. I feel like it's a, the one-year deal is indicative of Kane wanting to see what his own body, what it, what he can handle this season, and if it's worth going uh, pursuing any more seasons beyond that. Well, I think he's betting on himself a little bit too. That yeah. if he comes in and does well, he can, you know, maybe there wasn't quite what he was looking for, and he doesn't need any more money at this point. He has more than enough for the rest of his life but yeah maybe not quite the opportunity or the years or whatever so betting on himself that he's going to go there and do a bunch of stuff with Debrinket and then you know be able to kind of pick and choose if he's going to do a couple more years and if he doesn't or if he does they're just going to bring him back sign him one day when he retires to retire a hawk and yeah. put a bunch of butts in seats and retire his number and roll them out with the old guys. And it's kind of, it's already written in stone. Yeah. So as we uh, go through our completely non-chronological order of everything that happened on Tuesday, and meanwhile, the Hawks and Kraken are in the second intermission. Hawks are up four to two. Uh, they spent at least half an hour trying to sort out whatever the hell happened during that line brawl. Um, so that, that game is going to be on for another hour, at least I think. Uh, but during the game, actually, maybe it was just before the game and they made it official during the game, but the Hawks made a trade because they've lost Taylor Hall for the season to injury. Corey Perry's gone. And a few other guys apparently are hurt. Uh, Cole Gutman was a scratch tonight with uh, coach Luke Richardson hinting that there are a few guys who might be quote sore. So the Hawks traded with the Vancouver Canucks and got Anthony Beauvillier for a fifth round pick. I believe it's a 2024 fifth round pick. And there's some condition involved, which I haven't been able to uh, figure out just yet because we've been recording since that news came out. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I don't have a ton to offer you about Anthony Bavillier other than what the numbers tell you. He had eight points in 22 games this season. Uh, his highest point total point total in the season is 40. He had, uh, and that was last season split between the Islanders and Vancouver. He was part of the return in that massive Bo Horvat trade. His best season in terms of, uh, rate of production was the pandemic shortened season when he had, uh, 39 points in 68 games and, so he seems like a like kind of middle of the lineup production wise. Uh, Eric, since we haven't started you with you for any of these other topics, I'll ask, what are your burning thoughts on Anthony Bovillier? The only reason I know the player pretty much at all was he did this thing. I don't know if you guys remember like the, the Boland facts or it was, was it Shaw facts? It was, it Shaw, was Shaw facts, facts that was started um, on Twitter and the Hawks kind of like stole it and ran with it. But, but yeah. there was this weird thing where Anthony Bavillier was trying to like hit on Anna Kendrick on Twitter years ago. Oh, that and was him. Okay. That was him. him. And then okay. all these people, <laughs> yeah, all these so Mills ideas. primarily started uh, this campaign. All And it was basically like the the G-rated version of Shaw Facts. He, you know, rescues dogs and volunteers at orphanages and all these things to try and impress Anna Kendrick. Uh, for Anthony Bavillier. And that's the only reason I ever really knew his name. Um, it, but that's what it feels like. I think Betsy says it's Taylor Radish 2.0. And that's that feels kind of similar. He's a middle six guy. They have a bunch of middle six guys. But he can play either wing. And I don't know where they feel like they want to slot him in to start. But if it's a matter of getting, you know, you didn't really have. There's nobody else they can call up from Rockford at the moment. Um so that's that's a move that you can make to get a guy for a you know for nothing for a fifth round pick, which isn't going to really hurt you. Uh, Betsy, did you have any other thoughts uh, other than the Taylor Edge two point oh one you mentioned? Well, I just and he's older by the way. Mm. Than yeah, he's twenty. Um, he's he's twenty six. Yeah, he exists as a play, like. <laughs> he, um, he exists. Oh. That's, there were some like when he was with the Islanders, like he had a couple, he had some goals going, and people were like excited for him. And he was a, but like he just never lived up to that again. And then mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of his numbers from 
last year between both the Canucks and um, the team he got traded from. Oh my God, blank. The anyway, Islanders? yes, literally just said their name. Why <laughs> my brain? Hey, happens. It's um, been a long day, Betsy. It's totally understandable. My brain is not braining properly. It's fine. Um, he had like just under. He was like four point seven, or yeah, or four point eight, or something like that. Point. Uh, PPG between the two two and if you look at his underlying numbers most of it is due to assists to other good players but like a lot of them are secondary assists and they secondary assists can obviously be important you know they're not they shouldn't just be washed away but some of his were and so you're kind of like those that's a fluff number to good players and the Blackhawks do not have good players for him to play with to get fluff numbers so well, they got they got one yeah, but you hopefully this guy is not playing with him. Like, come well, on. Who who else you got? I like who he's playing with now. <laughs> Regular Kirishev. Let them go. Let them work. First of all, well, they're they've been pretty good, but just let them do their thing. He's back with Felino though. No, no, yeah. I didn't I don't I didn't want to hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring the news. I have the game much. on mute, so I didn't even catch that when we were doing lines earlier, but that's I mean Felino even better than that dude. Um, at least in, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but maybe that's, they can flip him. I don't know. He exists. He's a person. Um, that's all I got for you. Yeah. He, he's a person and he exists. Well, I'm, I'm glad we can confirm both of those things, <laughs> but like, there's just, it doesn't like he's, uh, he has a cap hit of 4.15 million, I believe for the rest what? of this season. Yeah. I, th- I oh think my I'm, gosh. Yeah, and that's why Vancouver was looking to get rid of him was just to um to to free up some cap space. So maybe the, maybe oh, Vancouver they, they owns the Hawks. Yeah. Some, yeah, they yeah. should have gotten something else and, with that. Especially if they got right. Dickinson and a second. Yeah. That's what Last I said. Year. That was my initial yeah. reaction that it was a dud of a trade because he's not a particularly good player. Uh, his contract, it's only one year left, but that's a ca- high cap hit. But Vancouver really needs cap space. They're able to work right now, but they are going to want to make trades because they are riding a nice little PDO thing happening. Um, it's not like the greatest PDO in the world, but like um, they're going to want to make moves. I, I bet you anything. Um, and they'll need the space. So I don't know. I wouldn't have wanted to give up anything. I guess a fifth isn't anything, but... Yeah, or you like it might have been trade where like the Hawks throw in like a fifth or a sixth and pick up a third or fourth, something like that. Like it, it did, it did see when the, I saw the cap hit, it was like surprising that the Hawks did not get more in return. But I also think the Hawks were just, I think the Hawks were kind of desperate for an NHL level forward because uh, there are only so many of those you can just go get right now in the middle of the season. And while Beauvillier may not be. Uh, you know, an adequate linemate for Connor Bedard. He is an NHL level player. So it's, you know, and the Hawks just they needed a body, essentially, uh, an, an adequate body to play out the rest of the season. And uh, they have that now in Bavillier. And if maybe he gets on a line with Bedard and racks up a bunch of points, uh, a bunch of secondary assists, and the Hawks can trick some team into flipping him for like a third round pick at the deadline, uh, retain half the salary. There you go. Uh, other that that's about your best bet with him. I I wouldn't expect uh wouldn't expect anything beyond that from Bavillier. And that has been our uh, Anthony Bavillier discussion. Unless someone else has some really burning thoughts about that. I didn't realize he made that much money. That's a lot of money <laughs> for that dude. Yeah, I figured I figured he was living around two or something. So I'm yeah. like, okay, that seems like that was a like a contract with like the expectation of a continued ascent in his career that he did not get to. Yeah, that's definitely a bridge where you you think he's going to be a fifty or sixty point guy, and obviously he's not. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. You guys want to talk about some like actual Blackhawks hockey? <laughs> like, <laughs> I I don't know if there's any other. Uh, major thoughts from uh, the last handful of games that have been played. Like I've, I, I feel like uh, with everything that's gone on recently, like I've forgotten about the on ice products. I mean, the Hawks did beat the Maple Leafs on the day after Christmas or day after Thanksgiving, excuse me, which uh, was funny. Uh, they got their asses absolutely handed to them by Columbus on Wednesday night. Maybe with all the Corey Perry distraction was part of that. And then 
on uh, on Sunday afternoon, they lost to the Blues four to two. I don't have anything major to offer from any of those games, unless anything uh, anybody else had anything. I guess a little bit. Um, you know, the Arizona game and the Columbus game, they they got dismantled, and the, the Central's yeah. handled them. The Central's really handled them this season. But I guess my thing a little bit is, um, you know. Everyone, and I'm not, I'm not knocking Richardson at all, but it seems like when they they keep bringing up stuff and they're bringing up accountability, and you know, Felino is the face of it a lot. He's the one in the locker room. He's the one saying a lot of these things and answering the questions after tough losses. But it's it's they're coming out. They're not starting well. Like at what point is that going to be addressed? And I know there's there's lack of talent, but to me, there's a difference when you watch that Colorado game you know, um, early from earlier this season, it was even for a minute. And then Colorado just pulled away and it was like watching a VW bug chase a Lamborghini. Like it's just, it's two completely different speeds. It's two different vehicles. And we understand the Blackhawks. They don't have the talent to hang with a ton of teams, but when it's Arizona and when it's Columbus and when it's, you know, to a lesser extent, even Nashville and St. Louis, like these are the teams they shouldn't be. They're not that much better. They're not eight to one and seven to two better. So, what's going on? Yeah, that it's it's they're done. In like both of those games, the game is over within ten minutes. Like yeah. that's just it. And there was a couple fluky goals, you know, to start in Arizona and in Columbus. But I know he gets a pass. And, you know, we're not going to judge him on anything for the next little bit, but like, that's just kind of unacceptable. I feel. Yeah. Like that's, I, you, I remember you mentioned that, uh, I believe it was in our, our Slack chat on a Wednesday night and it kind of got lost in all the news of the last uh, few days, but like there was, uh, there, I, I, there was definitely an element of like when your team consistently doesn't show up to play in games like that, eventually it stops you start looking behind the benches, like what are you not doing to have this team prepared to play in these games? I think that is a natural and fair uh, conclusion to get to. Um, Cause there, there seems like there have been areas where Richardson, like uh, you know, it doesn't seem like they, they quit in some games. Like they're, they're having some comeback. They've had some come from buying victories this season, like that Toronto game on Friday. It seemed like they were, getting prepared to get blown out again, just like Columbus. And then they turned it around and ended up winning in overtime. And like, it was nice to have that response on Friday, but you also shouldn't need to plummet to such depths on one day, Wednesday night to need the bounce back on Friday. It's like, if they could smooth out that ride a little bit, I think that would go a long way, uh, go a long way for our sanity, but also be a more of a positive reflection on the coach. Nobody's going to get mad that they're losing games this year. Like they're expected to lose games, but you can get mad about the way that they're losing games when it's games like that. Cause that's just straight up unacceptable against Columbus lost nine games in a row, you know, it's, but then, and that's, what's kind of maddening that Toronto game. That was great. They battled back. That was so much fun. That was a great game to watch. So yeah, just what's the difference, I guess, you know, what's, what's going on that they're not ready for those games. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, Bessie, did you have any thoughts about the last handful of games? I need to stop picking certain games. Cause I think I'm like <laughs> a bad luck charm. Cause they just look really bad all except for one game I've covered so far. They've lost. Um, so it's, it's Betsy's fault, everyone. There we go. We've, we've gotten to the bottom of this. All right. Good job. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I'm just a, I don't know. Um, I will say that like some people are getting kind of down on, um, prospects and it's weird to me because this is a rebuilding year and this is a team full of young kids, uh, at least the important ones. Um, and they're going to make mistakes. Bedard makes mistakes, and he's an mm-hmm. elite generational talent. He does it all the time. But there was an example just in this this game tonight where Korchinski did that zone entry that the Hawks love to do where they back pass to nobody, and uh-huh. he did it, and it was a turnover. Seth Jones and Wyatt Kaiser both did that exact same thing pretty much. Kaiser actually recovered a little bit better. He still lost possession, but not like – 
to no one. <laughs> um, but Seth Jones did almost the exact same thing. And the only person that got called out for it was Korchinski. And I'm like, that has to be a set play. They've been yeah. doing it for like ever. Usually it's forwards to do it, but, but defensemen do it too. And I don't understand the like, I would much rather see Korchinski making that mistake than Seth Jones because Seth Jones should know better. But then I'm like, it's probably a set play. So they, they, that's dumb. Um, <laughs> and then Soderblom, we've got the whole thing with him. Like he hasn't been good, but he's also pretty much one of the most overworked. He and Mrazic are the most overworked. Um, the only ones that even come close are the San Jose guys. And Soderblom definitely has rebound issues. Nobody is negating that. Um, he has the the highest rebound creation rate in the league, in fact. Um, but he doesn't let in a lot of rebounds and his high danger save percentage is actually really good <laughs> for <laughs> like that. It's weird. He actually, he, his mid range save percentage is what's doing him. And if shooters from a distance, uh, a little bit out is what's getting him. But, um, that's why I keep saying it's timing, but those are things like I would much rather see, like I'm okay with those mistakes because they're yeah. yeah. If they're still doing it like three seasons from now, or you know, I'm gonna that that'll suck. That's yeah. You know, you're gonna want for them to have improved, but come on, it's 20 games. Uh, Sudabom's only even played like 11 or nine of them. I can't even remember how many. Um, cut the kids some slack. I it's and it's weird because Kaiser. Didn't isn't getting as maybe it's because Korchinski is the bigger prospect, like the bigger name prospect. But Kaiser had the, one of the best training camps of like any kid that's come through the Blackhawks in years. He was arguably the best, other than Bedard. Um, and then he started the games and wasn't good. Like yeah. he was bad for a little <laughs> while, and now he is steady. He and Phillips have they've clicked really well. They're not playing obviously top competition and their minutes are low, but they're doing real well. But I feel like nobody was like as harsh on him. And all of a sudden Korchinski is getting a lot of heat. And um, it's a, it's, it's like, just be patient. Um, The minute they use the word rebuild, I knew we were going to get the angry, (laughs) like people that can't, they can't stand the mistakes you know, and they're, they were yeah. just so used to, like, I was going to say they were used to, like, the Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane's, but Patrick Kane made a lot of turnovers his yeah. rookie year. So, yeah. there, and I think, I mean, I, I think, like, it's even possible that within the second half of the season, we might see, like, uh, we might see some Korchinski highlights that show you he is starting to figure it out a little bit. Not that he won't be devoid of mistakes. Uh, in the second half of the season either, but you'll, you'll just, you'll start to see little light bulbs go on here and there. You'll see him start to understand, you know, maybe, maybe, I think we were talking about this before we came on the air here that maybe instead of going for that drop pass one time, he just goes full speed ahead and takes off on, uh, tries a a start of, of odd mad rush instead of doing the drop pass as a quick counter to all these teams anticipating the drop pass, or uh, maybe he just, has a highlight real goal himself that gets him going. Like there's, there's going to be things I, I think with him and maybe some of the other guys too, that as the season goes on, you might see just little things that they start doing better that are signs that they're starting to, uh, to figure some things out. And, and, and I don't think any of those guys are going to be finished products by the end of the season, especially Korchinski. I mean, he's only 19. So uh, Bedard's only 18. This is going to take a while. Uh, Mill, did you have any other thoughts? Um, I mean, there's a lot, you know, that still has to go on. There's a lot of season left. I think we'll see more cohesiveness as it goes on, but hopefully there's no more distractions. Um, yeah, that'd be great. And I hope, and I hope it doesn't affect the, the younger guys on the team that much because I think, uh, you know, Kors- look, Korchinski's a really young defenseman. It's going to take him some time. Um, we're starting to see Kurashev, you know. So, it's, it, it, I, I mean, I'm not worried about anything. I, I do agree. would like to not see them get blown out the way they have, but is what it is. Yeah, like I mean, they're they're beating the Kraken four to two right now, and uh, they're actually uh, bet you'll be very happy to know that. Well, they're, it's uh, a scandal game. <laughs> well, but uh, they're like in the positive in pretty much all the shot metrics, which is something that would be surprising against a Seattle team because they were really 
Seattle was very good at possessing the puck last year and getting quality and quantity of chances, but the Hawks seem to be doing better, at least on the quality side of things tonight, which is uh, a pleasant change from the way things have been going lately. Well, um, well, actually, lately they've had weirdly good games in that. that so the St. Louis game, they were positive. Yes. Now, granted, score effects played into that because they didn't actually start playing. Like They were in the negative until after the second goal um, against, but... Um, and then they were negative in the Maple Leafs, but it was close. Like it wasn't that far off. They were within spitting distance and then they were better than the blue jackets. Even again, score effects probably had an impact because they were getting their ass kicked on the scoreboard and they were positive <laughs> on the Sabres game. And that one was pretty close too. again, score effects a little bit, but you know, it's like, I'm, I'm okay with score effects in a way because it means that they're responding well, at least. Um, their quality of shots is still not the best, but they, and their defense of quality shots is still not the best, but they are at least hanging on to the puck more, which is definitely an improvement. Yeah. And it seemed like they were, uh, the game against St. Louis in particular, there was a lot of activity in or near the Blackhawks crease. And it doesn't seem like Seattle has had as much of that tonight. Or maybe no, that I, I was the Toronto game. Because I remember, because Toronto is a team that, you know, they have incredibly talented players. They can pick you apart and open up, uh, open up areas of the ice that other teams cannot. And Toronto absolutely did that to the Hawks, and they lived in the crease. And even though the Hawks won that game, it may not have been their best defensive game. Uh, they needed some saves from Razik to bail them out that day. But um, there are there are some, I guess there are some positive signs. Is some is that what we can say? Uh, that was Soderblom, Dave. Oh, sorry. My mistake. He's he's two and zero against the Maple Leafs this year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Hawks swept the Maple Leafs this year. That's we. I don't think we made enough jokes about that. So uh, so there's one. That's no, one. but they also let Dickinson have a fucking hat trick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot I, it was a Jason Dickinson hat trick game. Holy I shit. tweeted. I was like, the Leafs should be embarrassed. <laughs> well, I mean, the Hawks let Reeves Evergreen. So they could be embarrassed. That's too. true. One yeah. Ryan Reeves goal the is, is more embarrassing than a hat trick for Jason Dickinson. Yeah, I, I mean, was like, that, it was a roller coaster game because it was like Reeves scored, and I was like, ah, well, you know, yeah. should I turn this off now? And then Dickinson scored two, and I was like, well, that's weird. And then he scored a third, and I was like, Jesus oh, well, Christ. that's weird. It's such a great reaction. <laughs> he almost got a fourth too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird. <laughs> like that's you're just watching it. And you're like, huh. I'll, I'll say, hey, good for Jason Dickens, though. Good for him. He seems like a nice yeah. guy. Yeah. I, oh, there you go. <laughs> that sounds like such no, an insult nice now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of is, Betsy. It's okay. <laughs> mm. uh, well, um, well, I, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but uh, it's it, when it seemed like the schedule was a little bit lighter, but uh, starting with the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and continuing until the middle of December, roughly uh, the Blackhawks play every other day. So the games are going to come fast and furious. Uh, they're in Detroit Thursday. They're in Winnipeg on Saturday afternoon. They're in Minnesota on Sunday. So I guess it's not, it's not every other day because there's a, a weekend back to back there. And then it's, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, again, the for that first week of December against Nashville, Anaheim, St. Louis, and Washington. So uh, plenty more Blackhawks games to talk about in the upcoming weeks and upcoming editions of this show. Hopefully uh, the, the discussion is entirely about on-the-ice things instead of off-the-ice things, and there's, uh, there's no more of whatever the hell it was that happened uh, over the last few days. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for all of our hockey discussion today. And before we depart, we do have a a quick discussion to get into, uh, to claim our mantle once again, as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet. And I understand Betsy has some thoughts from her Thanksgiving experience or a question that came up. So please Betsy, uh, let us know what it all is. Okay. So we had two different Thanksgiving meals. We had, uh, Thursday and then we had one on Friday because we had different family that came right and sounds like a great plan (laughs) two meals awesome my my sister made macaroni for Thursday and then my nephew's wife brought macaroni on day two because we, we ran out of the first one one was made with the roux which I feel is pretty common most most people do it and then the other one had eggs, which is pretty common in the South. 
What is y'all's take on putting eggs in macaroni and cheese? Like, like scrambling the eggs? Like they're put in as like a thickener, the same way you would do a roux, but instead of it being, um, it's they're not like cooked um, before you put them in. You put them in like you scramble them and then you pour them in with your like milk mixture and stuff like that and then pour that in but you don't put flour in usually it's usually like two eggs per like a casserole dish size of macaroni like i'm I'm not gonna immediately say no because i'm willing to try it but uh i've never heard of this really (laughs) we like it's called it's pretty pretty common and a lot of people instead of using like regular milk they will use like evaporated milk um Mm -hmm. it's usually creamy and more like custard kind of like level of when you reach into it it pulls out more casserole custardy um but yeah it's a pretty if you google southern mac and cheese i bet you anything egg-based ones will show up towards the top I don't know, Miller, Eric, do either one of you as the other northerners on this show uh, have yeah, any thoughts I've, on this? I've tried to make uh, macaroni and cheese with a roux and also with egg. Um, I didn't notice like that discernible of a difference like mm-hmm. in, in taste or anything. Um, and I've had like a couple of different weird mac and cheeses. But yeah, that to me is – I don't see anything like that crazy about it. I don't think it's sta- standard by any stretch of the imagination. But like I said, taste-wise, I didn't like notice a big difference or anything. So I don't th- feel like it does that much other than, you know, just a, you're using a different binder. Yeah, exactly. It's – I don't remember there be like there's not – there definitely wasn't a big taste difference ta- in taste there. But there are some people that don't even put like a roux in. Like they, they don't do any type of like additional flour. And then some people just put cheese um, and don't even put milk which is weird. Um, while in the South, you're like, is it going to be milk and half and half? Is it going to be milk and heavy cream? Like how, and how many, is it going to be one stick of butter or three? Like, you know, like what's it going to be? The butter is what makes it obviously. But um, yeah, there was a, there was a, a little bit of a conversation because um, my sister hadn't, she was like, Oh, it's been so long since I've had it with eggs. And then her boyfriend who had come down, he's not from the South. He's like, I've never had it with eggs. I didn't even know that was a thing. So it was an interesting like conversation around <laughs> the table. Also, we were explaining, like he didn't know what a roux was. So we're <laughs> like, that's okay. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've made mac and cheese with roux and uh, without a roux in different ways, but I mean, I've never tried it with eggs. I'm sure it works. Like, it's not like you're, I put eggs in all kinds of things to use it for a thickener or like I put them raw in my protein shakes and I don't taste them. So I'm okay with the idea. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was just, if it was really just the Southern thing or if people outside the South occasionally did it too, but it sounds like one have tried it. The other was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then Dave was like, I don't really understand. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, it's just me. It's just my uh, uncultured, uneducated, uh, unfood educated ass. So I'll take all the blame for that one. Yeah. One of my favorite mac and cheeses when we were in uh, the Caribbean, it's so they call it, they just say like Bahamian mac and cheese, but it's almost more like lasagna. Like it's like the bigger egg noodles and just, it's basically just a ton of cheese and they melt it. And it's, you, when it comes out, they slice it and it's almost like a lasagna. Like you eat it like that, but that's really, really good. And Canadians have kind of adopted that for whatever reason. Um, but if you ever come across that, that's a fantastic one. Nice. Does it, I mean, does it have a specific name? Bahamian mac and cheese. Like if you put in Bahamian mac and cheese, you'll see recipes for it. Um, And it's just a ton of cheese and a ton of butter and just bigger, wider noodles. Sounds sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen. Good stuff. But a tasty heart attack nonetheless. Indeed. What a way to go. (laughs) Makes about a baker's dozen there, Bob. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect, Bill. That's, you know what? I think that's a perfect note to end on. And also uh, the Kraken just scored to make it a four to three game. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll see how well this, this Hawks lead can hold up. Cause I think that's the, the one interesting thing about this team this year is they, they might get last year. I felt like they never let ever this year. I think this team has 
because of Connor Bedard, they might get some leads. It'll just be interesting to see if they can hold on to them. So I guess we'll see how that goes for the final uh, 1309 of this game. I'm going to get to that. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks to Mill, Betsy, and Eric for hanging out again this evening and for offering all your thoughts on the what's been a very strange handful of days. And hopefully uh, we're a little bit back to normalcy from the, uh, from here on out. Uh, thanks to you for listening to this episode. Visit the website for all the good stuff I mentioned at the top of the episode or at the top of this episode. Is that what I said? I think so. I don't know. It's been a long day, folks. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. See you then.